0: And follow BSL on Twitter. Twitter. Welcome to On the Birds. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And tonight we welcome Eric Garfield back to the show to preview the Florida Complex League, which got started on Monday. But we've got a lot of other news that we got to get to before we talk FCL, including the injury news surrounding Grayson Rodriguez. But we have to jump into the positive, which is today's promotions. Uh, several promotions were announced. The biggest highlight in this group, though, is Gunnar Henderson. And Jordan Westberg, both going to AAA Norfolk from A Bowie at the same time. Henderson got off to an incredible start at A, while Westberg had recently come out of the slump and looked as good as ever at the plate. They will be getting the jump to AAA. Clayton McGinnis goes to Bowie. Daniel Lloyd and Daniel Fetterman go to Aberdeen from Delmarva. And Rick, Nick Ritzman and Edgar Cortez are going to Delmarva. we're going to talk a little bit about some of those players. Tonight, but we're going to start with Henderson and Westbrook. Uh, we had talked recently about those two players, with Henderson, how good he has been, and with Westbrook, how the Orioles should stay the course. Whatever their plan was for him at the start of the year, they said absolutely stick with it because that slump was what it was. A slump, he bounced back, he looked good, absolutely, I think, deserving of the promotion, and Eric, I'll let you start with this just so we can introduce you here. Your reaction to today's news.
2: I remember when I watched Gunner. First of all, hi, fellas. Happy Monday. Uh, I remember when I watched Gunner in his rookie league season down here in Sarasota, and I just kept going back because my thought was, when Oregon fans see this guy, even his one-for-fives are very exciting. You watch him move in the field, he's a different kind of athlete, so uh i'm not surprised that it, it it it's happened and i'm not surprised that it's happened this quickly uh he is a, he is a great player he's a great hitter he's a great mover in the field so it's time for him to get tested against the the best in the minors even at uh at 20 years old
1: yeah i'm only surprised that he's being promoted this week like that's the only shocking thing for me because uh, i thought for sure he was going to be last week uh but <laughs> then you look at this monster week he had and like it's very clear that gunner henderson was not going to slow down anytime soon like when you thought the walk rate was going to cool off or that four was at 452 on base percentage in almost 50 games that's absurd like he when you thought it was going to cool off it would just ramp back up uh so yeah i mean he's now he's a 20 year 20 year old in triple a going up against guys who are going to be almost what five years older than him at this point like and I'm not anticipating a call up anytime soon. I'm not looking ahead to that, but I'm just going to say that it's we still got like four months of the minor league season, so he's still got plenty of time to uh, prove his stuff at, uh, at AAA and uh, see what we got. But yeah, and Westberg too. I said a couple of weeks ago, I think that Westberg, if there's one guy in the system that I'm not or that I'm not betting against or I have zero worries about when he's in the middle of a slump, it's Westberg. Just based on the way every coach and all of his teammates talk about him, uh, that's a guy that you don't want to, you know you're not going to doubt even during a slump. So um, it's great that both of these guys are up. And um, for me, the biggest thing with Gunner, though, is the walk, the plate discipline. Like, who does that? Who increases plate discipline that much so quickly at that age against such advanced competition? But for right. me, honestly, and Eric kind of touched on that, it's the defense improvements from Gunner, uh, how solid he is in the field. That stood out to me even more, which which is really impressive, I think.
3: Yeah, they tried to wait as long as possible to promote him to AAA and he just was not having it. You know, he had a great week last week. He was in my uh Red Hot column or whatever I call it for the down on the farm article and he'll be on there again this year or this week because he almost hit 500 and uh hit with the power. He only had one walk this past week and seven strikeouts, which for him is easily his worst week of the season, but it didn't matter when you're hitting over 400 with power. Um and yeah, he looks great in the field. I'm wondering is how many players are younger than him in triple a right now in all of baseball it's uh pretty pretty sensational so it'll be exciting to see him adjust to that and uh see what he can do from there but jordan westberg yeah i'm with you guys 100 percent. we were never in doubt when he was slumping that he would break out of it and he inevitably did he just is such a professional hitter if there's one guy who i do think could make it up to the big leagues by august maybe once the uh calendar creeps over to September and you get those extra two roster spots I think Westberg could get up there this year I think Henderson they probably try to wait unless he just keeps hitting like this uh, for the rest of the way I think they try to wait for him for 2023 but be exciting to see Westberg come up at the end of the year and both well-deserved promotions and just makes AAA which Norfolk was starting to look like a little bit of a normal AAA team there for a second and now I'm glad we're back to having these top prospects
2: uh, I, I, I I have a friend that works for Altoona in the video department, and I talked to him today. He gave the assessment, and uh, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt the conversation, but he was watching Gunnar and evaluating him in the field, and he said the word that comes to mind with his defensive uh, prowess is reflexes. He has faster reflexes than people standing next to him, and it's obvious to see when he makes a play that someone next to him can't make the exact same way. So – just there, it, it's, it, it's time. There's so much going right for him. It really, it really should be challenged to get to a higher level.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to touch on Westberg for a minute here, just to kind of put it in the context what we've been talking about with the slump. Somewhere like after I want to say like around week two, week three, Westberg went into a slump. Ended the month of April, really cold. That carried over into May a little bit, but he actually ended the month hitting two eighty-nine with an eight sixty-six OPS and 101 plate appearances across the month of May. And that's right about where I think you would expect him to be um, going back to double-A. So I think he's right where he should be development-wise and the Orioles are making the right move, bringing him up now, let him get challenged a little bit against triple-A pitching and continue to work him around defensively the way that you have, because I think it's clear that with the way the Orioles infield is stacked up, not just this year, but probably next year or two, you're going to have flexibility to put him at three spots, one of three spots, maybe even play him at those three spots. So I think that if you can continue to move him around a little bit, they should do that.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't, I know a lot of people want to be like, is Gunnar Henderson, it's in our mentions all the time. Is Gunnar Henderson going to play shortstop? Is he a third baseman? Are they going to have to move him to the outfield? Same with Westberg. Is he a second baseman? Is he a third baseman? Like I'm not even concerned about that at this point because both those guys can play all three positions so well that it doesn't matter where they play. I think they're going to be standout. Um, I guess the only thing with Gunner and there was the comment I saw pop up there um, earlier, but the one thing you can nitpick, yeah, there you go, Simkin Tributes comment. The only thing you can nitpick, all right, Gunner versus lefties, a 147 batting average, 502 OPS versus 1168 OPS versus righties. Any concern there? Or he's a 20-year-old kid, and look at what else he's done. You're not worried yet.
3: Yeah, exactly. To me, it's like, how many lefties has he faced in his professional career or even in his high school career? I yeah. think it's just, look how quickly he adjusted to this new approach at the plate. Look how quickly he's adjust, adjusted in the field. Just let him see lefties. And if he can hit continue to hit righties the way he has, just absolutely raked against him. If he can just even be average against lefties, then it's it's another
1: level. Yeah. Only 34 bats. bats. Right. But not
2: enough exposure to really know. Even it, it's too small a sample size to make any true determination right now. So I guess what they're saying is, when they promote him, hey, we're going to let you see even more and even better lefties at AAA. So we'll see what that happens. I might, I might have taken you up on. Do you want to nitpick that his his low OPS and his low average? But I'm not the Orioles. They know more than me. They know more than us. So. I'm with you guys. I bet he's going to do a little bit better than expected against lefties at, the, at a higher level. He's
3: that good. And yeah, I bet I you was...
0: hes going to be challenged a little bit more because I think with lefties at AAA, you're going to be facing better breaking stuff, probably better command. But I've tended to believe that platoon splits in the minor leagues really don't hold predictive value. Um, there are some exceptions. Cedric Mullins is a very specific exception that did hold predictive value, but right. that was because Cedric Mullins was not meant to be a switch hitter. And we learned that. Um, With Gunner, I think, yeah, he's probably going to get challenged more against AAA lefties. And it is going to be something you're going to see him take the lumps a little bit with. But this is as good of a test as you can give him to work through that and develop through that. And for someone who's 20 years old to be reaching AAA, if the platoon splits are the biggest worry, that is a huge success. Because last year this time, it was the strikeouts that were the worry. Now it's the platoon splits. Now I think next year it's going to be, what is his, you know, WOBA on Sundays um, when the game starts after 105? Probably (laughs) pretty good.
3: Yeah, it's probably pretty good. Um, Yeah, I bet you he's looking forward to the challenge. I mean, you're going to see refined pitching at AAA. Yeah, you might see some 4A pitchers, but like Justin Ramsey talked about when he came on, those guys, they know how to pitch. They have the experience. Even if, you know, they're not good enough to consistently get major leaguers out, they're going to be the best pitching that he's probably ever faced, at least the most refined pitching. So he seems like a guy that's up for a challenge and no matter what happens, I think he's going to go in the off season and probably try to find as many lefties as he can to throw batting practice to him every single day over the off season. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting. Stowers, Westberg and Gunnar Henderson back to back to back in a lineup. That's pretty cool.
0: Before we move on from this discussion, any thoughts on the other names getting promoted? Clayton McGinnis is a guy that we've talked about a little bit as really one of the stalwarts at the back end of that Aberdeen bullpen. The promotion for him to Bowie is absolutely deserving. I'm going to highlight him. I'll just tell you now he's going to be my player in the final segment uh, when we get there later on. But any thoughts on him or the other players that were moved up today?
1: Um, Like you said, you're going to talk about McGinnis. I think that's awesome for him. He definitely deserved that. He's the older guy, so let's see what he can do against Double A. But the only unique thing that I saw was I saw on the transaction page that Edgar Portis was – promoted to Delmarva, but he pitched today in the FCL, so I I don't know what all that was about, but I don't know if, Eric, you have any clarity into that, but... I don't. I,
2: don't, if- I, don't. I saw that, and I, I didn't know. I heard that he got promoted when you when ran it down at the beginning of the show, which was kind of surprising because he pitched in the middle today. He was the second of three pitchers, but he was the guy I wanted to touch on. Uh, as far as, like, non-Matt Harvey or non-Carter Ballmer pitches down here, he was the one who had the best right-handed strikeout stuff, especially the righties. So it's certainly – it's it's not a surprise, and it would have helped the rookie league rotation a lot. But I think this is a guy that's going to be able to have decent strikeout and strikeout per nine numbers at a, a level above rookie. I've talked to him about it. He's pretty much – he's ready to roll, and he's been ready to roll for, for a while. I kind of was not thinking he would spend the whole rookie league in Sarasota. So – they just bumped him up at the beginning. Good for him. Yeah, I'm,
3: I'm wondering if today just happened to be like his, you know, side session day. So they get him a couple innings in there and then he'll come up and uh start a game maybe in the middle of the week, or at least get some get some innings. But uh I, I want to talk about Cameron Bishop. I'm gonna talk about okay. him later. Cameron Bishop and Morgan McSweeney, they got promoted. I think it was a day or two before mm-hmm. today, but I think those two guys are uh kind of sleepers that could potentially make major league debuts this year, especially Bishop. If the starting pitching options continue to dwindle a little bit, I feel like he's an underrated guy. They sent him to the AFL. He, When he has his changeup working, it's working pretty well. He might be a guy that could be what we expected Zach Lothar to be uh, before the last year or so.
1: And he's got velo too. He throws like, what, 95? He can hit 95, 96 miles an hour, which is kind of surprising. But yeah. Definitely not a nobody. He's definitely, he's always been kind of a sleeper. If you look back at some of his especially early numbers in like uh, A-ball and stuff, they're like surprisingly really, really good. But he was a guy like no one anybody talked about uh, earlier in his career. So good to see him in AAA.
0: Yeah, good to see him there because I think he would have been there. He absolutely would have been there last year if he had not gotten hurt. And he was someone that I was kind of had my eye on early in the season because he was at double A, but he was one of those players that, Probably would have been a level higher had it not been for the pandemic, taking away a year. And lefty to throw strikes, as Nick said, can get the fastball up a little bit, Um, especially in short stretches. I thought he may have actually gotten the shot at the big leagues late last year if he had been able to stay healthy just because of the nature of the 2021 Orioles. But now I'm wondering, could the 2022 Orioles use a little bit of health in that area?
2: Never
3: hurts to have an extra arm.
2: (laughs) Not enough pitching. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's probably a a good way to segue As good of a way as we're going to get to segue Into the news about Grayson Rodriguez Uh, Rodriguez was pulled from his outing last week at Norfolk After a pitch that appeared to be a fastball Registered at 89 miles per hour on the Harbor Park gun There was a lot of stress going around Birdland when he was pulled And the news was not great, though For reasons we're going to get into in a minute Not as bad as I think was initially feared He's down with a grade two lat strain, could miss the rest of the season, though that is uncertain at this point. But regardless, it's looking like he's gonna miss several months. And it will it could at the very least put the major league debut in 2022 in jeopardy. Um, which is a shame because of how close Rodriguez was. And when I first heard the news about it being a lat strain that could shut him down for a while, yeah, I was a little upset. I was counting on seeing Rodriguez At Cannon Yards sometime in the next couple of weeks, perhaps as early as Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, But you get further away from it. It's not the elbow, not Solder. And he's still in line to be a big part of the Major League rotation in 2023. So I'm okay now, but I I want (laughs) to check on the rest of you, starting with Bob.
3: Yeah, it was a scary moment there. Definitely holding your breath, refreshing Twitter as often as you possibly can. Um, Andy Koska, shout out to him. He's been excellent on Twitter and just in general with the Baltimore Sun, keeping us updated. He kind of gave me too much of a breath of fresh air or a sigh of relief, I should say, when uh, he said it was just heat cramps or or indicated that that's what he had heard. And it turns out to be a little bit worse. But still, like you said, it's not anything that should affect him long term. It's a back muscle, it's going to shut him down for a couple months, but it's not his shoulder, it's not his elbow, which is the most important, <laughs> I can talk good today, important. And uh, it just sucks because he was probably one out, one healthy out away from making his major league debut. Uh, just a shame, but look, he he found his his stuff. He was killing it in AAA, at least now, you know, when he's healthy. He can come straight up to the major leagues, whether that's the end of this year or if we're out of spring training next year. Uh, we were never going to compete this year, but still would have been nice to see him get those you know innings under his belt, try to get adjusted as quick as possible as we try to become more competitive in 2023.
1: Yeah, I think Eric made good points before we came on the air that I think uh you could go over those again for, for the crowd, but real quick, my only thought is that um, like I just think the timing was brutal because. I, you can't convince me that he was not the planned starter for Tuesday or Wednesday in Chicago. I, I just, I honestly feel like he was going to get one of those starts. Uh, so yeah, it's a little disappointing, but, um, you yeah, know, it's it could have been a lot worse. I guess that's all I have to say. Like, I, I don't really know what else to say that hadn't already been said. Uh, except like the mentions when I, I was watching that game and when I saw the trainer come out and I saw them talking, and I was like, oh. He's definitely coming out. And then when I tweeted that out uh, and the replies to that tweet um, were, um, I think I showed my wife and she was like, you need to log off Twitter for like (laughs) the rest of the night. Um, She's like, I think everybody needs to just log off Twitter for the rest of the night. I'm like, "Uh, that's not going to happen because now people are freaking out. Um, But it was an event uh, and Rodriguez is going to be okay. Rodriguez is going to be here for a very long time. It's not a serious injury. But, yeah, it's it just sucks. The timing does suck. I think Michael I said it best. It's brutal timing because of how close he was to the majors. Now,
3: D.L. I, Hall, a lonely nation turns its attention to you.
2: <laughs> well, some people think that, that Hall has, has better or comparable stuff anyway. But, uh, Zach, I'm glad you're okay. You know, you got better from, from the news to, you know, announcing it and breaking it down. But, and none of, none of you said, like, it's not the forearm either. That's, you know, for a guy that pronates – right and uses so much palm and change-up, forearm would be just as devastating as as elbow. So I think when when you really take a deep breath and consider where he is development-wise, Grayson is going to be the Orioles' number one starter next year, and this injury did not prevent that from happening. It prevented him from reaching the majors this year and starting his major league development phase. So yeah, that kind of stinks. Even if he got shelled, we would have been very happy to see it. And he would have been very happy to gain from that experience. That will unfortunately have to happen next year. But it doesn't throw the rebuild off kilter in any way at all. So I guess it really is like the best of a a bad situation.
3: Yeah. And, you know, you can look back now. And see why Michael Elias was so excited on opening day, talking about this season and this team. You had John Means, you had Grayson Rodriguez on his way, DL Hall on his way, Tyler Wells looking to make a good transition to the starting rotation to go along with Kyle Bradish. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna start crying on air.
0: <laughs> I went back and I saw the clip because I was actually not watching Norfolk's game live. But when Grayson, when I heard that Grayson got pulled, I immediately went to that inning and watched it because it was only two pitches. And I was looking when the trainer came out to see, does Grayson extend the arm and point to anything? Because sometimes you'll see pitchers flex the elbow or point to something. And that's what I was looking for. And when I didn't see that, I thought, okay, maybe it's not the elbow, but I hope it's not the shoulder. That was all I kept thinking was just please do not let it be the shoulder. Yeah, not
2: Not talking to a trainer or not like stretching anything out, making the whole – uh, experience or the whole event verbal is a big red flag for me also. Because it also might be like, yo, my arm is so hurt, I can't extend it. So let's yeah, just walk true. off and do this in the locker room or behind the dugout. So that was like the first first major hurdle. So once I saw that it, it, was, it was a lat and it wasn't a, 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 one of the other body parts, elbow, shoulder, forearm, then I knew – I didn't know, but I suspected, okay, he's the number one guy. He's the real number one guy, like, in the whole sport. This guy's not pitching again this year. He's getting shut down, and we won't find out, like, that that's official until a few weeks from now. So, we'll see. You know, he's hes a very competitive guy and a fiery leader type. He probably, the second that he feels better, he probably wants to start throwing and start throwing hard. So, we'll, uh, we'll see how the Orioles handle it, but... I guarantee you they're treating him as uh, a a number one, a true commodity.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I was hoping he, like, twisted his ankle or something, turning around to see where the ball was headed. Uh, Yeah, I was thinking and hoping a lot of things, and it fell somewhere in the middle. You know, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world.
0: So, Nick, was the injury in the Twitter reaction what caused you to go into the woods and watch a baseball game (laughs) in the middle of last week?
1: (laughs) Actually, that was really good timing between that, the Adley discussions, the um, I'll just say the hot takes uh, that have been floating around about certain prospects. It's like it was good to just not pay attention. There's a uh, the Rockingham County Baseball League up here. It's the top high school talent, D3 kids and 40 year old guys still living the dream, playing out <laughs> in the middle of a cornfield. It's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to be doing that a lot more often um, this summer to unwind. It's
0: the way to <laughs> <laughs> Going off the grid. We'll go now to the levels of baseball that started today. That's the Dominican Summer League and the Florida Complex League. Eric is down in Sarasota on the ground covering the team for Utah Street Report. Every time uh, Eric's on the show, he adds more uh, titles. <laughs> but you can follow him on Twitter, at Eric Birdland. He's also the co-host of Florida Prospect Report. Am I missing anything else, Eric?
2: I have a Orioles uh, minor league specific. It's called Utah Street uh, South. We do that uh, weekly also. So you missed that, but that's cool. That's all right.
3: <laughs> we can uh, shout out our competition here, Eric. No, uh, I listen. Oh, right. so let's, let's <laughs> no, I, I, li- <laughs> I listen every week. You guys do a great job. I enjoy it.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. You. Uh, yeah, so the season got started today. It's actually raining on me where I'm. I am, so I'm adjusting a little bit. <laughs> the season started today. I'm on the other side of Florida. My parents live in Boynton Beach, and my podcast host uh, graduated today. So I, I'm uh, here. I didn't watch the game, but uh, there were rumored to be two teams. It appears that there's only one, so a very big roster, and uh, I guess it's it's kind of an exciting and educational part of the development process that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And the more I started watching it, the more I just think it's, it's very neat. It's kind of like organized practice baseball, but you see talented players showing their skills and competing with other talented players. So uh, I missed today and uh, I'll be back. Uh, I have something to do before I get back, but I will be back very soon to watch the rookie league season in Sarasota.
3: Hopefully it stops raining before around noon tomorrow so we can get some more uh, some more box scores to look at.
2: Right. What's party? You never know.
0: <laughs> before we take a deeper dive into this, um, Bob just reminded me, we like to shout out our new patrons every week on the show. As uh, a lot of our listeners know, we have a Patreon community. And I'm going to turn that over to Bob to welcome our new members.
3: Yeah, we have two new patrons. So welcome to the mix, Robert Nettleson and Austin Romanuski, uh, Romanuski, um, hope I said that right. So welcome. you the second time. Okay. All right, good. At least <laughs> that's why I try a bunch of times. I know one of them will be right. But uh, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate your support and welcome aboard.
0: So I'm going to start with a question I have about one of the big names on the FCL roster, and that's Samuel Bisayo. We've been looking forward to seeing him hit Sarasota since he hit at the DSL last year, and we had a handful of social media clips, but it was apparent from those how good his power is. Um, Eric, you've had a chance to watch him a lot recently, and not only have you seen him hit, but you've seen him catch and work out at first base as well. So where do you think he is overall in his development, and, and specifically, how is he looking at first?
2: Uh, where he is in his development is probably considerably ahead of people his age. And uh, I guess his best, he looks great, a catcher, outstanding. He he is a catcher. But when they move him to first, he doesn't look like he's not a first baseman. He's got the scoop game. He's got the adjustment game. He's a very big target to throw at with a big torso. So fielders can throw from his shoulders to his hips, and there's a lot of area, and he can move at first base. But strangely, his best defensive skill is throwing. He is a great and accurate thrower. For a big person, his motion isn't that wide and expansive, and he ends up throwing it very accurately. I guess all the reps at catcher really sunk in. So he looks like an outstanding defender, but an even better and stronger hitter. This is a big big person and i don't know if he's done fully growing but even when he mishits it or hits it down near his hands he can hit it over the fence by mishitting it so a lot of guys at this level just aren't big and strong enough to do that he already is with talent to develop so i'd say for on this roster he might be the biggest not you know the the most (laughs) potential future star down in sarasota right now
3: And he seems like he has a a great, fun personality as well. And we saw Jordan Alvarez sign a big contract extension with the Houston Astros, and I was getting flashes to about five or six years from now, maybe something similar happening with him and the Orioles. What do you think?
2: I think it's possible, and you're right. He is very – this is a kind of environment where everybody is, like, trying to get better every day, and a lot of people become too serious and – over-focused, and nobody's going to say that about Vasayo. He's very good and having a good time and smiling and pretty social with the, the other team. And I'm watching this as he gets, you know, five foul balls hit off his head, you know, things, things hit in the inside of his knees. So I'm watching him have a good attitude and a great disposition while he's being a pro catcher. So an, another good sign about his personality. Oriole fans will very much like Sam when they start to see him a lot
1: yeah I think just remembering the fact that he put up these numbers last year in the DSL and I know DSL stats they are what they are but um, he showed pretty good plate discipline and that raw power shined through five home runs in 41 games last year in the DSL as a 16 year old kid for much of that year a boy like that is a boy Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I feel like even these like gutter henderson i'm like this is a kid because i'm like in my mid-30s now and everybody's (laughs) a kid i've reached that point in my life but um he was literally a child um but yeah and i love that video that you posted where he gets hit in the back and just dramatically falls and i just feel (laughs) like like that was that and just you know a lot of the other like dancing videos and stuff i feel like that whole atmosphere down there in sarasota is like you mentioned they all know like this is their way out they are all working towards their dream of being big leaguers and there's a lot of work to do and it's serious But at the same time, it feels like there's this environment down there where these guys are allowed to just be themselves and have some fun because it is baseball at the end of the day. And, yeah, I think that it looks like it's going a long way with a lot of these kids. But don't forget
2: what uh, Mike Elias said on on your show, on your interview. We kind of like to let these guys be themselves and discover who themselves are. This is the very beginning of that. What they're doing is in cleats with gloves and Orioles uniforms. So... I kind of I've I've asked you guys, but, you know, so many guys, so many fans would be very very positively surprised to watch this educational aspect. It's like baseball first grade, but some of the first graders are really good.
3: (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Kevin Guerrero is a a new name and seems like a name on the rise. Got him in the trade with the Marlins over what, the offseason or early spring training when Tanner Scott and Cole Saucer were sent to Miami with uh, Antonio Velez, uh, Yaqui Ramirez, and a draft pick coming along with him. How much have you seen of him, and what are your impressions so far?
2: Well, he has not been an everyday player the whole time he's been here, Uh, and I don't know if he's really to that level yet. Uh, I I don't want to say the onboarding is still going on, but there are a couple players ahead of him, and it's, it's competition. So he's not in the top three outfield competition. I don't think it's because of a lack of skill or talent at all. He needs to refine things. His swing gets a little uppercutish, even at the beginning of a game, even at the beginning of an at-bat. Uh, he's shown more proficiency covering the power alleys in the outfield. He's the kind of strider that when you watch a ball and you think, oh, that's a sure double. Nobody's catching it. He's just there. So I can see why scouts really trust him as a defender and want to see what his development will bring. Offensively, he's not he's not behind, but you know, hitting as good as Steven Acevedo or Elio Prado, it's 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 just not a simple thing. You don't just wake up and do it. So Barrero I like a lot, and I think he's gonna be a keeper, but he's gotta he's gotta get the Orioles way down very soon. I, th- I think that's a priority for him, for him and for the coaching staff.
3: He did go zero and two, zero for two today with two walks. So at least got on base fifty percent. That that'll get you. That'll get going.
2: I'll take that. Yeah.
1: Can we? You mentioned the name Stephen Acevedo, and that's a name I wanted to bring up because you didn't there was check a lot on your of fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I gotta go back. We gotta look at those results. And, uh, yeah, we should review that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he got two hits today, including a double, drove a run in he's a guy who there's a lot of hype a couple of years ago. And then ever since then, you know, the pandemic uh, last year, trying to get back in the groove in Sarasota the hype seemed to kind of die down a little bit. The numbers aren't great, but again, when you're looking at those low level numbers, like they don't, you miss out 99% of the story. And I, I feel like Eric, you're the perfect person to fill in this full story here with Acevedo, because I feel like with Acevedo, um, you know, it's, he's still just 19 years old. Uh, and it looks like he moves well. He's a big kid. He's a power bat. And this could be someone who it clicks for him this year. And we see him in Del Marva because I imagine uh, he's a guy who, as long as he comes out of the gates hot, he could be in Del Marva within the next couple of weeks or months.
2: I think so. Mm-hmm. When you talk about speed, I know he has the green light. I know it because I watch him use it. And he usually gets in. He's a, he's a hand first slider. He doesn't slide with his feet, but he, he almost always steals early in the count. So he's a little bit, for a tall guy and a kind of a long strider, he's a little bit faster. He's the guy that's going to benefit when the bases get uh, incrementally bigger next year. But he's got the green light. I know that. I think, I can't say it for sure, he's a very loud cheerer. You always hear him. At the beginning of the season, after March, you could hear a lot of harshness and hoarseness in his throat. So I think he slumped at the beginning of this year because he was sick i'm not going to claim i know what disease it was or sickness or anything like that but i don't think he was at optimal health now he is and he's driving the ball he's hitting the ball he's been warm since the back half of april but driving the ball far and high i don't think it's come as much as the coaching staff and the organization wants he's hitting a lot his average is very high his on-base percentage is good so he's getting the ball in play away from fielders. But is he driving it to the wall or over it for doubles or taters? Probably not enough. I have seen coaches say to him, he's happy he's coming off the field. And a coach will be like, yo, hit it up. You know, we're glad for that RBI. We're glad for the single, but get it in the air. So I think as his body has changed since he's been in, in the organization, that part of it is positive. But he needs that last little bit of strength to drive the ball. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Delmarva caught him up very soon. I think he could hit there. But again, you want slugging percentage numbers from, from a guy who has potent, lost potential like that. So I hate to say it. It's not uh, a criticism of his game or anything like that. I think a lot of people are waiting for him to drive the ball with a little bit more authority.
3: Yeah, he is six foot four, so he's a big dude. You know the potential is there, and uh, we know this organization is all about damage, doing damage. We've heard that a lot on this show, so let's hope he can get there. And hey, you got to start somewhere. At least he's 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 hitting the ball now. Let's uh let's work right. on driving
2: it. Let's move it up, right?
0: The player that's down there now that first caught our attention last summer in the Dominican Summer League was Anderson De Los Santos, um, and I think what stood out to us was the fact that. Even in the short season environment like the Dominican Summer League, when you have a seventeen year old that's walking that much and showing that kind of plate discipline, it seems like something you could build from. So you've had a chance to see De Los Santos a little bit. Is there some breakout potential there?
2: Absolutely. And he is he's he's he'll either swing at the first pitch and drive it, you know, between second and short, or he'll wait out the at bat and see if he can get to first by walking. So I'd rather see a little bit more of the of B than A, but this is just a kid who, who, who is learning, and I'm watching a lot of learning with him. He has periods of sustained success, and then a dribbler will mess him up at third base, and he can't field it or he doesn't field it cleanly, and it takes him out for two or three games where he's a little less focused on at-bats or a little... Less aware in the field and he's he's looking elsewhere. So he really kind of he's down here for baseball maturity more than anything else. The skills the skills are, are, are very, very, very good. And he's also for someone his age, he is built with a lot of muscle and a lot of room for more muscle. Shoulders, chest, back, and butt. So I I, I would expect the ball that he's already driving now is going to be power alley warning track very, very, very soon. Another thing when you're paying attention to the demeanor and the personality, every mistake he makes or every bobble or mishandle in the field, same emotion, no frowning, no smiling, just cool, get back to work. There's another pitch. There's another at bat. So the baseball maturity is coming, but the personal maturity Is really already there and on display. The guy has a cool head, and nothing gets him too high or too low.
1: I don't know if you guys saw that, but apparently down there in the lower levels at least, they got the barrel chain, which is just an Orioles home run chain, but they call it the barrel chain, and he posted a photo. (laughs) I saw he posted the photo on Instagram, uh, and in the background, I saw the PowerPoint uh, up there. He was hitting like 108-mile-an-hour exit velos. Uh, it was like a single that he hit at 108 miles an hour. I mean, is a, And he's this is a strong dude. And he's listed at 5'11", 185, <laughs> which I feel like is obviously probably wrong. But, um, yeah, that, that's a name I think Orioles fans should pay attention to pretty closely this year.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a big-money guy, and he, he this is a skilled player. Really, the way for me to look at who's good and how good are they which which of these players could play on any of the rookie league teams that I see? De Los Santos could play on on, on any of them, and uh, I've also heard that he was very quiet and shy when he first got here. So seeing that presentation and seeing him standing up in front of the whole team is kind of an, another aspect of that maturity we're talking about. He's kind of like coming into his own.
3: Yeah, nice game. and. Uh... Very nice yeah, we've been excited about him for a while. And, you know, it was it was great in all that twenty nineteen class coming in, Luis Gonzalez and Luis Ortiz, you know, still have high hopes for these guys. But I feel like this this class with Samuel Basaya, who we already talked about, Anderson De Los Santos, Junior Lara, who we'll we'll ask you about in a minute. And the one guy who I'm about to ask you about now, Michael Hernandez, who just seems to carry this aura of this seems like the biggest guy that we've signed so far. Until we get, you know, to see the Braylon of Eras maybe break out, guys like Leandro Arias. But Michael Hernandez, he's the highest ranked prospect, uh, at least by us, who will play in the FCL for the Orioles this season. What do you see out of him in an extended spring training that either confirms or contradicts where we've placed him in our rankings?
2: Well, when I saw him for uh, for minicamp this summer, I, I might have remarked to one of you guys, I think that I'm looking like at a skateboarder waiting for his mom to pick him up, like, outside the mall. He's just so tall and skinny. Now, that is not the case. He's still tall, but he's muscular across his shoulders and all the way up through his legs. So this guy doesn't miss leg day, and he hasn't in, like, four months. So he's getting bigger, but his movements are very refined. You can tell that he's had a lot of reps, a lot of... Shortstop plays, going to both sides, coming in, going out. He's a very smooth player. I don't know if his internal clock is exactly where it needs to be to start moving up. But yeah, we're down here, we're down here to learn and get better at that. So I have noticed it's a little bit better than it was before. Also, Michael missed some time. It wasn't publicized, but he he was out for a handful of games more than two weeks. So I was thinking the whole time. Like, what's going to be like a moment that clinches it for me, I should like Michael or I should trust Michael? His first game back, his first pitch, RBI single. I was like, all right, that's it. And it went right over the shortstop. So I I, I, don't, I feel like I don't have to wait anymore. He's going to keep confirming how good he is. Now, what I said about De Los Santos could play on any team. Michael could play on any team. And on a few of them, he might be their best player also. So it's kind of like, where everybody is fitting in in his in, in tier. I think in terms of baseball skill, talent, ability to execute, he's number one. Uh, last week, he had a game where he had two hits or, or two outs very, very far to the left field wall. They were not a full swing. They were not a good swing, and they were more pitcher's pitches. So it was a demonstration of of the strength that he had. Bad pitch, bad swing, 375 uh, feet away. So, the development from Michael is going to come, and it's going to be pretty pretty loud and pretty exciting. He is not loud and exciting, by the way. He's very quiet. <laughs> right,
1: one more outfielder, uh, another guy in that Steven Acevedo category, a guy who there was a lot of hype uh, a couple of years ago, and we haven't really heard so much since then. But uh, Luis Gonzalez, um, is there a breakout or, let's say, bounce-back potential with him this year, or what's he been looking like? What's the, the update with Luis Gonzalez down there in Florida?
2: Uh, also not an everyday player I don't think that he was ever hurt he's probably the quietest the the quietest guy Uh, breakout potential I, I, I don't know but bounce back to be an everyday type I would be confident in that he doesn't do anything wrong in the field he's another guy he's tall long strider and gets to the ball faster than you would think and has an outstanding and accurate arm when it comes to offense his at-bats are usually when I looked at my notes they're usually a lot faster than you want them to be he's not seeing things the way that a coach would want a hitter to see things and that hasn't happened yet so I have a feeling that's why he's not an everyday player like a true rotational guy but I don't want to cancel him out you know it's it's the rookie league's We got months to see where he's going to hit, but I definitely agree with you and have noticed that the perception of Gonzalez kind of hit a high and now is like at a lower plateau. So breakout potential. I'd like to see more evidence. There's another number 76. Uh, Gonzalez was 76. Another lefty number 76 who's shorter, who's doing a lot better, who just got here. That's Teodis Corto Real, this guy can hit. He's not big. He's getting a little bit bigger, but you know his balls go a lot farther than you would think when you see when you see him swing. So two two outfielders, number seventy six, who are lefty lefty, and present some interesting uh, developmental aspects.
0: Turn our attention to a few pitchers now, and uh, Cesar Alvarez, Davy Cruz, and Anthony Morillo kind of look like potential breakouts to us. What could fans expect from them if they get the opportunity to see them in Del Marva sometime this summer?
2: Murillo, I have not seen yet. I think that he was just added to the roster, Uh, so I I have yet to see him. But the other two I've watched extensively, and Davy Cruz is probably the most uh, out of nowhere, not expecting anything contributor. He is. Probably the best left-handed pitcher that they have down here. Left-handed hitters do not pick up the ball well against him at all. His delivery isn't the same every time, but no matter what slot it comes from or what the windup leads to, lefties get none of it at all. And their at-bats are over like that. So he's already got that. Righties don't hit him well or square him up, but they see the ball a little bit better and they're going to hit him where lefties at this point, just, just have not, he's got strikeout stuff. He's got more than one finishing pitch and it looks like he has more than one fastball too. So Davy Cruz, there's not a lot of lefties. He's separating himself. Uh, Alvarez on the other hand is someone I expected to come in a little hotter than he has. His arsenal is really off-speed, change-up base, and he throws stuff in the dirt. He's trying to get guys to chase, and I don't think that the stuff is enticing just yet to where that they're, they're, they're going to chase three times per at bat. Uh Alvarez is a guy that has changed his body a lot since he's been over here. I, I, I talked to him about his exercise program, and it's a lot of legs. So his legs are getting a lot stronger, but the velocity hasn't snapped up uh, like commensurate. So he's still trying that off-speed stuff. Some of his appearances are okay, but uh, so, uh, a few of the appearances have lasted uh, pretty long and enabled other teams to rally. And he'll get to three ball. You know, it's it's a rookie league issue. You get to a three-ball count and you can't get out of it. And then it happens again. Then it happens again. So uh, Alvarez is learning on the fly, but his off-speed stuff and the breaking stuff that backs it up, it'll play. So I expect him to find a point where it all clicks. It might not be this season. It might be next year, but he'll get to Delmarva's rotation by some point.
3: And at least with Davy Cruz, if it doesn't work out on the mound, he can always play shortstop. For the Tampa Bay Rays and (laughs) later on with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, We know you love Miguel Padilla. You know, you're always tweeting about Miguel Padilla. He's your boy. We know that. Um, Will the trade return from the Ashers be able to translate his obviously excellent stuff into results this season?
2: Well, I don't know. (laughs) I like him a lot, and his breaking ball is the best that I've seen in person in a very long time. The game where I was at, the scrimmage last week, where it was raining and I saw Kersad get his hit. I'm watching Miguel's curveball through the rain from center field, 600 feet away, and I saw it stop and change planes twice. So this guy has got breaking ball stuff, and he's got more than one. He's got the little break slider, and he's got the huge break true curve. So I haven't seen a lot of heat, effective heat, play off of that but if I, had, if I had a breaking ball, stuff like that, I'd spin every single pitch. And so he, he kind of does that, and he's learning, is, is this going to be a route to success for me to throw 80 90% breaking balls and just have the heat set that up? Sometimes it's yes, and he throws four pitches to, to, to every single hitter, and sometimes it's no. So right now I'd say he's in the middle of the road. I love him because of his breaking ball. I was surprised when they took away his his starts and made him a reliever, but he's been a very effective change of pace type reliever, and I really like him in that role. And as an athlete, he's embraced that role. His family came from Venezuela to watch him throw in the middle of a, a rookie league game, and he did he did pretty well. So uh, Padilla is a guy that instantly earned my attention, and 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 hasn't giving me a reason to stop paying attention to him yet. I I really love that breaking ball stuff.
1: Love it. Going back to the hitters though, another guy we know you're a big fan of, and I've become a massive fan of, um, I want to see this guy succeed so bad. Frederick Ben Cosme. Uh, Educate the the listeners on who Frederick Ben Cosme is, because you look at his DSL sets last year, 44 games, he hit 310, struck out just 18 times uh stolen bases triples doubles couple home runs I didn't go back and look but he had two home runs but I imagine at least one of those was an inside the park home run if not both of them (laughs) but uh, maybe there's some more power in there but we interviewed Kobe Perez and he even name dropped Ben Cosme just unprompted uh and I got super excited when he did that um educate the listeners on who this uh hashtag legendary uh Frederick Ben Cosme is all
2: right Um, I'm happy to I met him uh more than several times. I like him a lot. Uh, when we talk about all these guys and in this environment, like you have to get better every day or you might get caught. You're ba- you're... Belief is a tool. And this is where your self-belief is evident. You either believe in yourself and have confidence or you don't. He has the most confidence since Elio Prado got sent up and maybe even before Prado. This guy believes in himself. He's not going to get down when he boots the grounder. He is not. He trusts his skill. So before we talk about anything that he does on the field, this guy believes. And when you meet him and when you see him and when you hear him, you hear that that belief. So I understand why guys and executives love him and and fawn over him. For me, you can put this guy at second or shortstop, and he has range to both sides that's almost unlimited. He's a tall, skinny guy with very long limbs, and he uses them effectively effectively as a baseball player. So I I would say he's looked better to me at shortstop, but he turns that double play so well at second. He catches, he's a smart and savvy guy for a kid at the plate, not wasting pitches or at bats or a smart tag at second base. So he's, he's he's a veteran type guy who believes in himself. I would also bet that one of the home runs or maybe both of the home runs in the Dominican (laughs) did not go over the fence Because this guy is fast. He turns at at first base and burns in the second very, very instinctively. So all the baseball skill is on display. Offense, defense, athleticism, self-confidence. Freddie believes in himself. And if I was that good at baseball, I would would believe in myself too. Uh, Another example of a guy kind of coming into his own. He's very independent, very vocal, and... I don't I, like most guys in this league on this team are not going to even talk to an umpire. Last week, he asked an umpire during an in bat, "Why didn't you call that a strike when clearly it wasn't?" So you know, it's not. He, he's just not afraid of what's going to happen to him on a baseball field. And the more you watch guys like that, the more you want to support and and see good things happen to that. So I like his skill, but I like I like the guy a lot too. And again, like I say about every every one of these dudes. When Oriole fans watch these players and can see them all the time, they're going to be captivated by their skill and their personality.
0: Love I'm glad it. to hear the report on his defense because that's not something that we've had the opportunity to really see stand. Obviously, we're on video, but what has stood out time and time again is that left-handed swing. It's just so smooth. Have you Fair. had the chance to see him hit a lot? And does it look as good in person as it does on video?
2: It looks great, but really, in person, it's better when you see the quality of pitch that he's offering at as opposed to the ones that he's just spitting on. So it's another way to look at him as a veteran. He doesn't swing at garbage. You know, he's waiting. He's evaluating. He's very happy to walk. He's the kind of guy – I mean, he will fake a bunt just to frustrate the pitcher. Then he'll fake fake it again just because he saw that it worked. Like, these are things that most – young teenage baseball players don't even think about. He's using them as effective strategy just like that. He's batted everywhere from first to seventh, so he's versatile all the way around. I would think that he is going to use this rookie league season to kind of come on the scene and show people that aren't, that aren't me how good he is and how, how good he how, at, at every part of baseball he is.
1: What about? I know this guy's a, a favorite of Bob's. What about Junior Lara? Uh, what's the story with him? An outfielder. We've talked about a couple outfielders already. Some up, some down. Some guys still maybe needing some, you know, orientation. Like you mentioned with a guy like Kevin Guerrero. What about Junior Lara? Is he ready to step in and play for this FCL team immediately?
2: I would vote yes, based on another separating skill that he has shown that a lot of people don't down here. That dude is tough. I watched him get hurt. I watched him run full speed last week into the Ed Smith Stadium wall in right field. Full speed. He did not make the play. He went straight down on the warning track, and he got up. He didn't miss any time. The next game, he was in, and I even said to him, like, I I tried to say it in Spanish. Like, yo, you did not hurt your shoulder. He just gave me a look like, lineup is out. I need to be in it. So that, for, for a kid, I mean, I, I only wish that I filmed him running into the fence so everybody could see the, the hor- horrible impact it was. But he's fouled balls off his leg. He's overran balls and run, in, run into other fences. He doesn't miss time. He doesn't gripe. And when he plays, he shows off a great arm, better than a lot of other arms down here. He's explosive on the bases. He's explosive out of the box. So he's a good accelerator and he's getting better and he's getting stronger. I start the guys that injuries don't don't affect their play or their desire to play over a lot of other things. And that guy has shown true baseball toughness. There's a lot of weird – I've seen guys get hurt down here in weird ways and not come out of the game but never run full speed into the wall and just be totally fine with it. By the way, they were down by like nine runs right late <laughs> in the game and this guy's going full four. That you know that that type of impression you just don't forget about it. So, I like Lara and I like the fact that he's confident, but knows that he's tough enough to be where he is. And I can see why, when you're picking and choosing to come from the Dominican League, why somebody smart looked at Lara and was like, he belongs in the United States. I and I agree with that very much.
0: Looking at a couple of infielders now, uh, Aerovale Castillo and Wolfie Cruz. Do you see them as possible dark horses?
2: I do. Castillo especially. Uh, I just met him for the first time two weeks ago. And uh, a couple of his relatives have gotten in touch with me to brag about him and tell me about him. (laughs) He's listed as a shortstop. Uh, He looks like he has the build of a corner. And he's only played at first since I've seen him. Uh, He doesn't have the scoop skills like Fasayo or like Angel Herrera. But uh, I think that his first job is hitting and being an offensive player, not like a DH type. But he just, you know, as a teenager, he might not have his position down uh, set in stone. But he is a hitter. The first day that I saw him, I remember uh, looking on the roster, like, who is 74? And before I realized it's Rubio Castillo, his home run had already gone out to left field. So another... Neat uh, first impression. The other guy, Rolfi Cruz, I have not seen him play extensively. I saw him get a couple starts at Pirate City as an infielder. He's been used more as like uh, a pinch runner type, and that's kind of strange because I don't think he's especially fast. So if we're looking at like dark horses and those two, I would pick uh, Castillo uh, above Cruz based on opportunity and playing time.
3: Good question. You know, it's not always just these young international guys in the FCL, obviously in like six or seven weeks, there'll be a, a large influx of talent after the draft, but also we're going to have guys rehabbing, passing through like we see Anthony Servideo and Dylan Hyde currently listed on the FCL roster. Uh, what do you think about those guys coming through? How long do you think they'll be down there? And who else do we think we could see uh, pass through there over the next month or so? Reed Trimble could be an option potentially.
2: Uh I want to say I, I'm not at home, so I don't have the roster. But uh, rehab roster includes uh, Toby Welk, who I'm almost – I could not tell in the rain, but I'm almost positive. Had in a bat. I think I know his stance, and I think I know his swing pretty well. You know, holds the bat pretty, pretty high for a tall guy. So mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that was him. Uh, Welk, Heston Kerstad, uh, Anthony Servidio, Reed Trimble – and Dylan Hyde, I guess, uh, saw videos on the rookie league rosters, so maybe that means they expect him to be down here a little bit longer than just a rehab stint, which is kind of uh, surprising. I've seen him play. Uh, the word that comes to mind when I watch him play is ready. It looks like he's healthy. He dives to both sides. He likes to get his uniform dirty. My favorite part about him I guess I just didn't watch enough this guy will not swing all day he is happy <laughs> to walk I mean there's so many of his at bats that kind of like meander around and they end up with him walking the first base and he's very very satisfied and on a team like this that's offensively challenged and needs to find ways to start rallies you probably need two or three guys like that so uh, Servideo seems ready uh Trimble, I have seen contributing. He had a bit of a injury problem last week. I watched him uh, get hurt, but I have communicated with him, and he said things are going a lot better. He's still down here officially rehabbing, so I can't estimate if it's going to be soon or uh, less soon with him. Dylan Hyde, I have seen pitch. Again, he looks – I don't exactly know – What the rationale is for him here, if he's injured or if he's working on something, if he's trying to uh, gain something specifically, I don't know. But his performances, you kind of see he makes hitters confused regularly. So uh, as an Orioles minor league fan, I would want that to see tested at at, at a higher level. I haven't seen him pitch, I want to say, four appearances the whole season but none of them have gone bad. None of them have gone off the rails. So I, I, I like Hyde. Long delivery, kind of not like Keegan Gillies, but he's really kind of a, a, a release point that's a little bit closer to the hitters, especially right, righties, than they would expect.
1: Love it. Good insight there and a lot of these uh, guys who we were excited to see. Um, and I, I know uh, you might be seeing Brendan Hanafee too. I was saying before we came on, I think Hanafee's throwing – Tomorrow to use Neil Diaz and uh, Brett Cumberland, some other guys who are hurt still down in Sarasota. So uh, Diaz, um, if anyone is still interested in using Diaz, um, he's, he's taking some rehab at bats against some other rehabbing pitchers uh, tomorrow in Sarasota, but um, let's, we can open up this last question to kind of everybody since the DSL started as well. I mean, uh, DSL, I had the scores up here. Actually, I think they split because there are two DSL teams. Yeah. One team lost to the Padres and the other team, lost to the Blue Jays in the eighth inning. They only went in eight innings today. But, um, yeah, I guess kind of throw out some names. Maybe uh, you guys are excited to watch the, well, I don't think any of us are taking a trip to the Dominican <laughs> this summer, but uh, who are you excited to watch uh, the box scores for?
3: I'll start since it'll be easy to pick. Um, Braylon Tavera, obviously, biggest. He's got <laughs> Biggest bonus for the Orioles internationally. He went one for three with the walk and two RBIs today. Um, I'll leave the other obvious one for someone else. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Gene Mata. I know there was some some uh, hype with him after uh, we he got signed. Uh, Fernando Pagero. Let's see. Wilmer Feliciano. He's returning to the DSL. Um, right. He had he was one for four with the triple today. On the pitching side, I'm interested in seeing Henry Tejada. Uh, Andres Paras started today's game, went four innings, gave up two runs, but struck out eight. And Ezekiel Benilla went three and a third, striking out three batters, giving up no runs, no walks, one hit. He's 16 years old, so that's <laughs> – I don't know. <laughs> if a 16-year-old can do that, That that's something. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs>
0: I think the guy that I'm really excited to follow is Thomas Sosa, an outfielder from the most recent international free agent in class. This is someone that Kobe Perez talked about on his on our show a few months ago. This is someone the Orioles have been looking at for several years before they were able to sign him this offseason. He walked today against the Padres, um, but I'm going to be very curious to follow the box score and see what he does because it seems like this is an outfielder that's got – a lot of room for development, and some of the Orioles had been had their eye on for a long time and were very happy to get uh, the most recent international class. I would say the
2: ones that I'm looking forward to the most would be pitcher uh, Jan Lara, no relation to Junior Lara, and catcher, even though we've got a lot of catchers here, uh, Anudis Mordon. Uh, both of them, I've seen... Good stuff. Laura, Laura can make that ball move. I'm very surprised that he's not here already. I would have think he would have came ahead of uh, a, a couple names. He's also in really, really great shape for right now. So maybe I'll find out more information than that. But Mordon, I talk to you regularly, and he is a great source of information for baseball players that I can't see. He's given me a preview for so many guys, and that you know most of this information I share with all you. So... Every Oriole fan that likes the Miners should uh, follow and appreciate and uh, want to see Anudis Mordon, the catcher, come to the United States. Uh, we've talked about it before. He thinks it could be this year, but if not this year, I think he's about to turn 18. So if not this year, then next year. But uh, we should all thank Mordom for being a great source of information and uh, tidbits and tips on all the players. And he's a catcher, so he tells me how the ball moves for different pitchers.
1: Yeah, nobody mentioned Leandro Arias. Uh I I still want to know. We need Eric Longenhagen on. Um still busy. Uh still trying to get him on the show. But um he I think fangrass had him, what is what number 12 on their and top? That was
2: very high.
1: Yeah, that's extremely high. Uh and I think we were like, what does he know that we don't know about Leandro Arias? Braylon Tavera isn't even on his top, what do they have, 40 something prospects he ranked? But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Arias went two for four today with a walk. Uh, First at bat was a double. Um, So one game sample size looking pretty good. Um, So move him up. (laughs) What I I
2: thought you were going to ask, Nick, is you think that now that the Orioles are doing things a little bit differently and, and participating in this part of talent acquisition, is it possible that we see some of these big name money guys or big performers like in eight weeks from now or 12 weeks from now, before the season concludes, I think it's a very logical thing to assume. Hmm. It would have been a lot easier to do if there were two rookie league rosters, yeah, a lot more available spots. But if these guys are hitting well and the guys in Sarasota are batting 179, I don't think it's a very complicated or development-affecting strategy to have them here and get ingratiated to the, the the new oriole way i would I, I am very patient in terms of development but i kind of don't feel very patient if, if if these guys are going two for four driving in runs and having successful baseball outcomes they need to get tested against a better level pretty
1: soon yeah i mean that's an interesting point because like if you look at the fcl roster and you look at the coaching staff they have two managers listed two hitting coaches two pitching coaches listed so, I'm wondering maybe they are expecting to be able to fill out that roster more and create two teams possibly later in the year i don't it seems like they can kind of i'd imagine they'd be able to do that if they wanted to maybe and just play i think you mentioned before we came on maybe just scrimmages against each other or regularly scheduled games against each other on off days maybe i I don't, I don't have to know. be honest
2: completely honest, it bothers me to a great a large amount that I don't know that and I don't have an answer <laughs> for you and for everybody that's watching right now. I will be trying to find it. Uh, an indicator that, that I said to you guys, they usually played orange versus black scrimmages on the weekend. So if there's games on the FCL website that are already scheduled for the weekend, like the Orioles play the Braves or the Red Sox, that means there's not going to be scrimmages. So it's kind of an indicator that there's already one. But I definitely saw, saw it as strange that there's five catchers, maybe more – Two coaches, two of it, two of everything, but only one squad to, to start out the team, the season. So maybe we'll find out those answers as, as as the weeks go by.
3: Especially with the draft coming up, I mean, that's going to be a lot of bodies to try to to fit on one team. So I think they are a little more flexible with what they can do in an FCL league, hopefully, and hopefully we get that second team eventually.
2: Those scrimmages, by the way, on the weekend. They didn't do a lot for development and helping guys along. But, man, some of the bloopers, some of the bo- <laughs> the best videos I've ever had, I don't think Wilkin Grugan speaks English at all. There was a, He was pitching. He was pitching because they ran out of pitchers. And a pop-up went right over the mound, and he's trying to get it, and he's positioning <laughs> himself to get it. I'm filming the whole thing, and you hear right before it bounces behind him and he doesn't catch it, a very loud O.S. Oh, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite videos of him dropping the ball and, and, and cussing out loud. But it's it was a very like fu- fun and different and laid back environment for coaches to kind of get their message across without worrying about, you know, if the Rays players are hitting home runs to the parking lot or, you know, things like that. So the orange versus black scrimmages were very fun. And I hope that we get at least one this year. If we do, I'll be there filming and providing a good video for everybody else.
3: Nice. One We're more going- name we should mention is Edwin Amparo, just another one of the big bonus babies. And he went over two with the walk today. So shout out to him.
2: Uh, one of these guys has to come over before the end of the year. There's <laughs> too many good ones.
0: Yeah. We'll go down to our final segment of the night where we shout out players outside of our top 30 for something that they've done, whether it's been a good week or a good game or something in the stat line just find kind of interesting. We'll let Eric participate tonight. But uh, first, I'm going to start with Bob, who's got two higher-level guys on his list.
3: Yeah, I wanted to talk about Caden Grenier just because, you know, it looked like maybe he was this year's Mason McCoy, at least uh, for the first month and a half of the season. But then, you know, he's really gotten hot here uh, in in the last week or two. I'm trying to pull up the stats right now. This past week, he batted four forty-four with a 1,153 OPS with six runs, three doubles, four RBIs, five walks, and only five strikeouts. Also stole a base. Um, he's really raised his numbers up from where he was at a couple weeks ago, where he was batting like 170-something with a five-something OPS, Definitely. and now he's batting, what, 250, 240-something with a, a 714 OPS, I believe, so... Just shout out to him. You know, he's got the glove. And if he can get the offensive numbers up a little bit, get the strikeouts down, get the walks up, hit for a little bit of power, he's got a little bit of pop. Um, you know, maybe you see him up at some point instead of a, a Chris Owings, a Rugnetter door. Maybe eventually he'll get a get a flyer, just like Ryland Bannon did earlier in the season. And I think that would be that'd be a cool moment for him. And like I mentioned earlier, Cameron Bishop, just wanted to shout him out, get him up to Triple AAA. Uh, he's put up some pretty good numbers uh, this year with Bowie. Uh, he did have a, an injury at one point, I think the last month or so, but on the season, he has a 3.57 ERA over 17 and two thirds innings with 27 strikeouts. So great strikeout rate. I won't mention how many walks he's had, but we know he's got good stuff. And, uh, if he can get that under control, the, the command, then I think, I think he's going to do
1: good things. Grinier. uh, grinier. um, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be Richie Martin, guys, though. Don't. Richie Martin's going to be back the day, by the end of the week. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go. I got two guys uh, Trent and Craig. I need to start doing better, keeping better tabs of who we talk about in this segment because I feel like I keep repeating, guys, but I don't know. Um, they deserve it. Trent and Craig, um, a guy that I want to see rise up our list. And I think he's coming off probably one of those best weeks since joining Del Marva. He hit 304, had just one extra base hit. He did strike out, I think, seven or eight times while walking just once. But to see him collect seven hits over the last week, I think, is a good sight. And hopefully that's something that, yeah, that helps him settle in a bit. And he can build off that moving forward. Um And Noah DeNoyer is my pitcher. I'm I'm going to put him in there every single week. Like Nine innings last week with Bowie allowed just one run on four hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts. And I have his buoy numbers since he was promoted to buoy, a 2.25 ERA, 0.75 whip, 162 average against 24 strikeouts, four walks. I mean, the guy throws 95, 96, big breaking ball. And I think there's, I don't think he's one of these guys that's like fully baked or almost a fully baked prospect. Who's like, let's just refine some things and he is who he is. Yeah. I think there's still more projection there. Like, there's very clearly, not physically, uh, but in terms of like his stuff, the delivery, all of that, I think there is more there. And I think Noah Denor is a legitimate pitching prospect in the system that very few people are talking about. Yeah.
3: It's one of those guys where like every time we talk to a Matt Blood or anyone in this organization, you hear him talk. Noah Donoyer's name comes up. So clearly they're high on the guy. And and we've seen why, because his his numbers have been great the whole way. But now that he's in double A, where it seemed like you know they needed some arms with all the guys going on the I. L, they brought him up just like Griffin McLarty. I thought maybe, you know, this is just a taste, and then he might get sent back down. But no, he's he's taken that chance and he's and he's run with it. Now that he's putting up these numbers that he's been putting up the whole way with even less walks at double A, and then He's firmly on the radar, just like Ryan Watson. It's like once you get to double A and you're performing like that, you're a guy. Um, You can't really fluke your way, at least to a a certain level of prospect status. You can't really fluke your way past double and and then triple A. So shout out to Noah Denoyer. Yeah, definitely going to potentially make some noise in our next Top 50 update come July.
0: All right, Eric, you got a couple of players you want to shout out?
2: Absolutely. And I also don't want to leave out that Denoyer was a starter on Gunnar and Darrell's rookie league team that that won the league. So he's been, he stayed as a starter and exceeded on that developmental track. And I, I fully agree with you, Nick. I think this guy's learning how to pitch and doing so very efficiently and very effectively. That's the kind of profile that shoots up prospects lists. So thanks for taking mine, uh, Noah Denoyer. I, because of that, I might not be able to follow the rules, but also, also two pitchers, that I think deserve a great deal of attention. Uh, first, I'm gonna start with Nick, with Vespi. I mean, we can call him a, a, a prospect that's not on our list or say that he he, he doesn't throw 98, but this guy, you if you evaluate on results, this guy makes every type of hitter look bad with every type of pitch. So for me, it's taken a long time for him to, to find the role and the situation where he can excel But he is clearly, clearly in it. I know the show is about the minors and he's in the bigs, but I am just so proud of him for, like, staying with it. This guy got drafted a generation ago. So, you know, I I, I always will focus on him and the things he can do. The other one is uh, Carter Ballmer, the starter that had Tommy John and is still in his recovery phase from Tommy John and doing very big things to good hitters with his stuff as He recovers so when he was here in Sarasota, he kind of was getting by on fastball fastball location and the breaking balls just didn't have that that diagonal snap. The first start he goes to Delmarva. He's showing four types of pitches every direction every quadrant and finishing off hitters with a rising fastball like this guy. This this is number one starter type of makeup. So He's very he's very nice and he was very calm and mature about it. But when he talked to me down here, he was like, you know, my stuff is good. I should be gone. I'll stay down here as long as they as long as they want me to. But, you know, the athlete in me wants to wants to be tested against better competition. So I'm really glad that he's in that role. And I would expect him to absolutely thrive in in, in low A. So those are my two guys. Sorry if they were <laughs> Ranked top thirty or not? It's all state. good. Vespi, so.
3: Vespi's yet to give up a run. Whether it's Triple A, Major Leagues, doesn't matter. He's not giving. Isn't a that run. good for
2: a pitcher?
1: <laughs> I guess it's okay, but <laughs> if they put him back in Norfolk again, <laughs> what I do? what are we? Gonna I have do do got options. <laughs> I know it's just it's so frustrating because I am also extremely patient with guys, uh, like almost probably too patient with guys. And but like, come on, stop bringing him up, sending him down, keep him in the majors. And honestly, my opinion with Nick Vespey is if you're not going to keep him in the majors and you don't think he's good enough to stick for you every day in that bullpen, then honestly, send him to a team. Let him go to a team that appreciates his talents, because this guy deserves to be in the major leagues. I want it to be with the Orioles, but come on, guys, stop doing this with him.
2: Nick, we are brothers on this, my man. We we, we, we totally are. So we'll, we'll plan a revolt off, off there.
3: Hey, Logan Allen has a cool 11-something ERA in AAA. So that was definitely uh, worth it. Don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wrapping this uh, segment up, Frederick Ben Cosme is my pick for the hitter this week. He goes two for four in his FCL debut today. Um, everything Eric said about him um, – not only confirmed some of the hopes that Bob and Nick have for – Bob, Nick, and myself have for Ben Cosme, but perhaps added them a little bit. Sounds like a guy that's very good defensively on both sides of the second-base bag. Good plate approach, good left-handed swing. Look for him to break out this year. And then, said it earlier in the show, but I got to shout out Clayton McGinnis, who Absolutely, put together yes. excellent work at Aberdeen to earn this promotion to A Bowie. 18 to third innings pitched, had a .98 ERA, with six saves. But here's the best part for me with McGinnis. 21 strikeouts to four walks. His numbers at Aberdeen last year overall were not that bad except for the walks. Walked 19 batters and 38 innings pits. He got his command significantly under control this year and was a lot better. Cutting back to walks. He just needs to carry that up to Bowie now. But absolutely earned this promotion. And with that, Eric, I'll turn it back over to you. Our listeners... I think by and large, now know your Twitter account at Eric Ferdland. We know you're going to be tweeting out great content, but uh, tell us be on the horizon there and where else you'll be uh, working on Warriors content over the uh, summer.
2: I, I write at UtahStreetReport.com, so I try to have uh, FCL information and evaluations up whenever I can. Uh, I'm going to write a couple things about the prospects on the other teams, the Rays, the Braves. Uh, the Pirates, some of these guys are outstanding prospects and future stars, so it's really interesting. Guys like Junior Caminero, Shalen Polanco, Carlos Colmenares, any fan would lo- love to read about or or watch them. So I'll be uh, watching the whole Rookie League season. Uh, I have a, I don't want to give it away, but I have a minor league road trip planned for sometime extremely soon, so I'll be doing that and uh, like covering that also. Uh, But other than that, you know, podcast, write and uh, watch and post highlights and comment on your posted highlights.
0: Uh, You can catch our posts and highlights over Twitter at BSL and the Verge. Also, be sure to check out com. Bob and Nick both have news stories up on the site now. There's also a lot of excellent Ravens, Orioles and college sports coverage there. Hop on the message board to join and discuss them with fellow readers of the site as well as contributors. Thank you to Eric Garfield for another excellent appearance on this show. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden you've been listening to on The Verge.